Nick Dangles, has been in brokerage for more than a decade, but in 2020, he co-founded the company Kinetic with the goal of helping tech-focused business owners enter the logistics space. It's all for good reason, because this slower-to-change industry has had more tech entering the scene, and in order to keep up with the big guys, you gotta invest. So it works kind of twofold. Kinetic is helping the fresh companies under the current market, and as a side effect, they're helping brokerages and carriers find better solutions unique to them. But where do you invest and what should be driving these purchasing decisions? Nick is going to break it all down for us in this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. You're going to bring value too. So let's give the people a little bit of a background on your career in the world of logistics. As I'm sure it's non-conventional as most of us are find ourselves in. Yeah, so background on my background here. I So I've been in logistics for 10 years, um, all in brokerage. And prior to that, I actually, I used to be an attorney in my twenties and it's, it's a story probably best told over a couple of beers sometime why I'm not an attorney anymore, but (laughs) like suffice to say, it wasn't a good fit for me. I tried to get into sales, but I ran into the problem of being both underqualified and overqualified, right? Nobody wants to hire a 28 year old former attorney for their entry level sales job because they think I'm going to bail in six months. So I ended up selling office supplies door to door for Quill, which was just a nightmare. But I learned a lot. (laughs) Super humbling experience. Yeah, super (laughs) humbling experience. And from there, I kind of fell into logistics and just had a great time doing it. Got caught up by the instant gratification, the fast pace of it. And then as I kind of got more experienced in the industry, I saw how much there really was to logistics and it just hooked me in that like, that's, that's how I got into it. That's why I'm still doing it. That's why we're doing what we're doing now. And, and speaking of what you're doing now, you're co-founder of kinetic and you help companies, correct me if I'm wrong. You help companies sort of in the, in, in the tech space, enter into the freight market when they kind of don't really have a clue of how to enter in the freight market. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. So like our little pitch is that we work with freight tech companies and help them get their products to market more quickly and better adoption. And like more specifically, we work with with them on things like sales and marketing and customer success. And and on your website, it said you you help companies with their go-to-market strategy. Uh, What essentially is all involved in a go-to-market strategy? And can only new companies take advantage of that? No. So, I mean, ultimately, your go-to-market is just your, your plan for launching your product or service into the market. And it encompasses a lot of things, right? It's what problem does your product solve? Who's your target audience? What's your message to that audience? Um, what's your sales and marketing strategy? Anything like that kind of falls into your go-to-market strategy. And uh, like to answer the second part of your question, no, it's not just for for companies that are just starting out. Like established companies do the same thing. If you have a I don't know if you have a new product line, you're going to have come up with a new go-to-market for that product line. If you're trying to enter into a new industry, like if you're very prevalent in uh, food and beverage and you're trying to get into logistics, you might have a different go-to-market for that. So it's, it's really applicable to a lot of different companies at a lot of different stages of growth, though it's, it's most common probably in the smaller startups. And and what are where are some of the areas that they're getting wrong when when or, or maybe some of the things that are are eye catching to you before they go to market? You know, I would say two things kind of jump out to me the most in that. 
one is understanding your audience and two is understanding your messaging. And uh, I'll go into each one of these a little bit. When I talk about understanding your audience, I mean, when you talk about logistics, you a lot of time you hear about this multi-trillion dollar industry, right? With all this opportunity. And that's true. You know, it's true. And it sounds great to investors when they see this like total addressable market in the trillions. But like realistically, what's your individual market for your software? Is it that trillion dollar market? Probably not. You know, very likely we run across companies that like they're a software that specifically targets brokers say, well, like that's not nearly the same size. And you probably don't even target all brokers. More than likely, you target a specific subset of brokers because once you hit a certain revenue size, you're probably building your own technology. If you're too small, like you don't realistically need certain types of tech. So mm-hmm. like, your actual audience is somewhere in the middle. You got to figure out like what that revenue range is and you got to figure out even, even smaller minutia. Like, is it a certain type of freight mix that we cater to? You know, if a broker has mostly contractual freight, is that a better fit for us versus if they um, have mostly transactional freight? I mean, it plays a big a big part in what technology they need. And if you don't know this kind of stuff, you're either selling to the wrong people or you're selling to the right people, but the wrong way. And that's mm-hmm. a big problem for a lot of freight tech companies. And, I and when you... No, no, you, it, that's great because you actually brought up uh, a, a part of the next question that I wanted to ask because in the pre-show document that that we ran through, you mentioned something that was really interesting to me and you said service isn't enough for brokers to rely on anymore. They need to adopt some technology to stay competitive. So flipping the script a little bit from the freight tech companies that are entering the space, what about the brokers mm-hmm. that are entering the space? I, I, for a new company, what are some of the must-have technologies that, that brokers need to invest in? You know, it's a tough question and... Like, I don't want to give you some generic, it depends answer, but I'm kind of going to because <laughs> I know, um, but it's, it's dependent on a lot of different things, you know, Sure. what are your growth plans? What's your cash flow look like? How well funded are you? What is your freight mix? Where do you see yourself in five years? All hmm. of those things. I mean, if you're just a guy starting up a brokerage on his own in his garage, your needs are going to be much different from some venture backed, uh, brokerage with huge scaling plans in the next several years. Um, if I were to give kind of just a cookie cutter answer to that though, I like you definitely need a TMS Like you're going to, you're going to struggle surviving without some sort of a TMS. Um, I'm big on capacity management tools. I think those can be extremely helpful for brokerages of any size. Digital tracking is a big one. You know, it's becoming, if it's not already, it's becoming a contractual requirement for any enterprise shipper you're going to come across. Like if you don't have digital tracking, you're, like people just aren't going to work with you um, in the near future here. And then accounting and back office. I mean, Nimi actually touched on this a lot. He, he talks a lot about how important it is. And it's he's right. You know, it's not the sexiest area of freight tech by any means, but there's a ton of opportunity to save costs in the back office. And there are a lot of companies doing some really interesting stuff there. Hmm. Well, uh, give us a few of the, the companies that are doing some interesting things on the accounting side, since it's relevant to this one. Yeah. So on the accounting side, um, Melio payments, I think is an interesting one. Um, when you think it, it helps with cash flow, it's not a factoring company, but you can help. It helps by allowing you to pay some of your vendors by credit card. Um, even where they don't accept credit card payments, which is huge to get that extra 30 days of float for some of these brokers, like cash flow is 
one of the main reasons that like early brokers go out go out of business. And then there's other things like like Hubtrain's a big one, Triumph Pay, anything on that side. I think is definitely worth like, worth taking a look at. Now, now on a, coming from the executive side of things, I, I think that there's always been an issue where executives, they, they find that shiny new piece of software and they just want to initiate it and just buy it immediately before they even consult with their team. But what should a company do before that purchase is made to make sure it's a good fit within their processes? So to make sure technology can be a good fit for you, I would say you kind of have to go through the exercise of figuring out what your specific problems are, not just what people are telling you to buy. You know, there's there's a lot of technology out there that they run into the exact same problem you mentioned. You know, it it sits in their office and it's more just like tech decoration than anything else. Mm-hmm. And they just they point to it for the customer and say, hey, check this out. Look what we've got. It's it's there at least. Right. But like to get value out of it, try to figure out what your actual problems are and what technology you need or that could be used to fix those problems. And it's not just. Like it's not just C-suite problems, it's seat level users. What's Billy in the corner struggling with every day? How can you help him out and get some sort of an impact for that guy? No, I love that. Going to the the employees that are in the trenches and getting the perspective from them versus the executive team that maybe doesn't have that hands-on approach as much as they used to. What is uh what what's some technology that's entered the freight space that has you really excited outside of the accounting solutions? But are there any other tools out there that that has you really excited for the future? Kat, you know there's so much stuff out there. Um, I'll try to narrow it down a little bit. I'm really excited about what I'd call workflow automation, like HubTap and Tech and Tabby, that what they've got going on there. There are so many, so many manual processes that are just like repetitively click this button, then click, click this button, then click this button. That anything you can do to automate that stuff is really valuable and saves a ton of time. I'm also really excited about what's going on with dynamic pricing nowadays. Um, there's so much data available for people and pricing is such a hot topic that to think that we're still relying on data that's like two weeks old and trying to figure out based on that, what we're going to pay today. Like Mm -hmm. it, it, it's mind boggling sometimes when there are better solutions out there uh, like green screens and sonar that are doing some really interesting stuff with pricing. Now, bringing it back to Kinetic, your your company, especially with, with with sales, you you focus a lot in that area. How are you approaching the modern sales process in in, in sort of the the media landscape that we find ourselves in? You know, I approach it. Um, we're heavily into social selling. You know, like providing valuable content for people rather than just pitching them on yourselves, right? Like you'll see. You'll see us doing webinars and you'll see me doing LinkedIn content. And we suggest the same thing for our customers, right? You don't just need to go out into the world and shout your name to everybody. You need to provide content that actually makes sense to them, that they get some sort of value out of. Are there any, I guess, what what are the most important platforms that you guys are focusing on uh, right now and in the near future? Is it like uh, social media? Is it maybe email? You mentioned webinars. Um, are there any other maybe like in-person events now that things are starting to open back up? Where are you guys going to be planning to focus your efforts? Yeah, you know, like transportation can be a little bit weird when it comes to marketing because like what I would consider traditional marketing methods don't 
like often don't work as effectively because (laughs) like, like it's so word of mouth and so based on who, you know, that like people aren't really going to whatever like magazine you're reading and looking at an ad for your company. Right. It's more like they're looking at like whoever their buddy recommended or they're like watching webinars or they're on LinkedIn and Facebook, they're reading articles. Um, and they're just listening to people whose opinions they value. Like the, I hate to use the word influencers, but like the influencers out there. So anything you can do to leverage that kind of stuff, I think there's a huge amount of value in that for companies. Now, we talked early on in the show about how marketing can help the sales team more effectively. In your experience, where does marketing at most freight companies fall short? You know, I'll, I'll spin that a little bit. So instead of freight companies, I'll talk about the freight tech companies. And so for this, it's, it's oftentimes the messaging itself, you know, the messaging itself doesn't, it doesn't relate enough to the day to day of the freight companies. You know, oftentimes the messaging, it focuses on what's important to the freight tech company and what's important to the freight tech company versus the freight company are two very different things. You know, the, the freight tech company is often very excited about their technology and their integrations and all sorts of other buzzwords. And like, I don't want to diminish that because they are very important. But what's important for the day-to-day of a guy running a freight company is very different. And you have to make sure that your messaging actually is relatable to that person because that's who you're selling to, right? And speaking of that, we talked earlier about, you know, the new brokerages that that are coming into the scene and the technology that they need to be investing in. What about some of the legacy companies? Are you seeing any, uh, they're usually, or historically, the ones to grasp onto technology. They're the ones that have the budget, right? So... Mm Are there any techno? Are, are there any, I guess, tech in the space of the legacy companies that you sort of see as as going away that they need to invest more into a, a new frame of thinking? You know, it, it's so dependent on the individual company. I mean, like you got some of your larger players who are like very advanced when it comes to technology. They've been building their own proprietary tech for years, and what they have is amazing. Um, but like some of the smaller ones, like small to mid-sized ones, again, it kind of boils down to figuring out what works best for you. I would say that the biggest, like my biggest takeaway is just like do something, you know, (laughs) like the only wrong, the only wrong answer is going through that exercise, figuring out what your problems are and thinking, well, you know, we've been doing this for the past 20 years and it seems to be working. So let's just keep doing this for the next 20 and see what happens. Well, that's not going to work for you. You know, like if that's your response, like the next 20 years aren't going to go well. No matter what you do, just do something and it'll be better. Are there any uh, of the larger companies? I mean, J.B. Hunt comes to mind for me that that's a legacy company that's consistently Mm -hmm. evolving and and, and adapting adapting new technologies and just ways of thinking. Are there any other companies out there legacy wise that you think are doing a good job of transitioning their 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 teams into the modern workforce? You know, I, I think they're all, they're all taking steps to varying degree, right? Like mm-hmm. there are amazing things going on in a lot of this company, like us express and variants is doing some really cool stuff out there. I mean, you can probably rattle off the top 10 brokers and they all have different ways that they're trying to embrace technology. And it's great to see. I think they're, I think they're the ones kind of leading the, uh, um, the more widespread adoption of technology. 
Where do you see the, I guess, the tech space evolving over the next few years? And and how can companies sort of capitalize on that without overwhelming their users or their employees, I should say? Yeah, without without overwhelming your users is is important, you know, and that kind of that kind of goes to the customer success piece of all of this. And that's something that a lot of freight tech companies do struggle with sometimes because a, a lot of the time you bring some new technology on board and like for whatever reason, it doesn't get used. And oftentimes it's not the fault of the technology itself. It's more related to how it was introduced and what the training was, you know? So instead of thinking to yourself like, oh, like this technology just isn't working for me, like think about how it was actually presented to your people. Was it presented in terms of, here's your new platform, like click these buttons, this is how it works, just do this? Or was it really described to them in terms of, this is why you need to use it. This is hmm. the benefit that you're going to get from this tool, and it's going to drive a lot more adoption from your users, and it's going to overwhelm them less because they're going to understand why they need to use it. Yeah, because then you can kind of just break down of how it fits into their day versus just being an additional thing that they have to check or that they have to do each day. So I think you really hit on that earlier is to to figure out how the figure out the problems first. Go to those, I don't want to say low level, but entry level is probably the better phrase to use. Go to those entry level employees first, figure out what their 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 stop gaps are in their work day, and then figuring out the software that fits into those stop gaps instead of just trying to force something that may not work and may be a big waste of money. All right, Nick, this is really, really insightful. Where can folks find more of your work in Kinetic? Yeah, so feel free to check me out on LinkedIn. I'm there a lot. And if you want to reach out to me directly, my email is nick at poweredbykinetic.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was great insight. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, and I think you'll love another show I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on Freight Waves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you found in the show notes or again over on my digitaldispatch.io website. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust that folks like yourself will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Brumleven. I will see you real soon.